0: Stop being a blue pill sheep, being led to slaughter by big government and the court system. Become an Awakened Man. Here's your host, Gregory. Hello everybody, this is Gregory and welcome back to another episode of The Awakened Man. I hope you're doing well today. Today we're going to finish up the 30 red flags, I should say 31 red flags, that you must know before you marry a woman or a man. We can play it to both sexes, and this is important because I understand that a large majority of people, even those who espouse to be going their own way, deep down want to marry, and look, I've mentioned in the past, if we were living in a different century, a different time, most men would marry because there were checks on a woman's more insidious traits, and there was a check on her hypergamy, and... Worst case scenario, like something like infel- infidelity, she would be uh, cast aside. There were actual punishments, religious punishments and legal punishments. She wouldn't get money, she wouldn't get the children. Now, well, it's the opposite. She can have an affair and she would still get the money and she'd still get the children and alimony. So again, if you're going to marry, understand there's so many hazards involved. Even if she's uh, you know, snowflaking and said, I would never do that. Are you a prognosticator? How do you know she won't do that? Maybe she would. Maybe she'd be a good woman, especially if you maintain frame and and do the things you're expected to do, but how do you know she isn't going to pull the bait and switch? That's the problem even with the trad cons. But the red flags here that we're talking about is more for, for more transparent, obvious red flags. Because you could have a woman who goes maybe one for 31 on these red flags. It right, seems like a good girl, hasn't had a lot of partners, doesn't have any psychiatric problems, doesn't have tattoos, whatever it is. But 10 years from now, you don't know. Does change. And now you are in a quandary. What happens if she turns into a wage monster? What happens if she starts taking lots and lots of uh, anxiety medications with wine? She's drinking two, three glasses of wine a night and she's getting mad at you for telling her not to drink it. if she's overspending your money. I mean, there's a lot of things. At that point, what are you going to do? But this is more for the obvious red flags. So, if you haven't listened to the first two episodes, I would recommend that you do so. But you don't have to. You can listen to this one first and then go back to the other ones. So, we finished up the last time on the middle of emotional red flags. So, Red Flag 21 is the person is overly dependent or is codependent. Now, this is a very common problem with women. We know women as a whole don't like to be alone. It goes against their Paleolithic wiring because they are the smaller, weaker sex. We know that they choose occupations that don't make a lot of money. So understandably so, they want to be paired up with a man. I mean, a man, of course, if that has the highest SMB that they can get because that's maximizing their hypergamy so they don't have like to be alone so with that con- concomitant with that is going to be codependence they're codependent on you their life is incomplete without having a man in it they need to have a man a classic case of codependence is a dysfunctional alcoholic so you have an alcoholic man and his wife is kind of codependent on his alcoholism and, and on one level or another needs to play that role as the spouse of the alcoholic either helping him or getting the martyr the martyr sympathy complex out of it and then when he stops drinking she gets angry because she's so used to that, it's a codependent relationship. But more often than not codependent relationships are more emotional codependence. Now men can manipulate this situation you can use this to your advantage. If you know your wife is deftly fearful of being alone you can kind of tap into that insecurity and use it to your advantage but as a whole Codependence is not an attractive quality. Certainly, women wouldn't find it as an attractive quality. Uh, if you had it, you'd be in all fawning and obsequious all over her. I give everything, I won't function without you. No. What you tell women is look, cool. You're the ninth most important thing in my life behind my kids, God, dark chocolate, the wind, and light bulbs. <laughs> that you got you could say they feel a lot of frame. The other thing you could say is look, hey. Wife, I like having you in my life. This is the assuming when you guys are getting along. I like having you in my life, but if you were to die, I'd be fine. I'd move on. Now, the woman would be like, uh, 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 but on one level, she'd realize that you are passing a shit test. She'd be like, yeah, he's not some weak man. See, a weak man would be like, I don't know if I can move on without you. My life would be incomplete. I would hurt myself now. What's hear that? Come on, Mandalorian wouldn't say that. Number 22, the person has a substance abuse problem. I think this is pretty clear. If she is an alcoholic or was an alcoholic, cocaine addict, drug addict, I would even throw in a pot smoker. We've talked about pot smoker, a habitual pot smoker. Uh, Avoid. Again, you have a scarcity mindset. If you're like, well, you know, she used to do coke for 10 years, but she hasn't done it in two years. If you agree to that, it, it, it demonstrates scarcity mindset and that deep down you don't think you can do better. Go to that episode we did on the seven ways you know when a man doesn't think he's the catch uh, there, was, there was a time I dated a woman who was very attractive body, I mean very attractive body but she told me when we met she's like I had two kids then I got a tubal ligation but yeah I, I used to be a coke addict I'm like yeah <laughs> I don't care how hot your body is because I mean, your body is going to go away eventually and I'm stuck with a possible addict that's going to lapse, no thanks so again guys you've got to think long term long-term, and she could be a great mom, she could be this, but she has that jack in a box lurking in her past, that a stressor, or she's just, whatever thing can cause it to snap, her parent dies, boom, now you're dealing with a raging addict, and trust me, living with an addict is unbearable, so again, you could always do better, number 23, the person's controlling, yeah, this one's tough. I mean, I would honestly say this is something that women have to worry about more than men. So, like, you need to text me every 10 minutes. I need to know where you're at. Who are you with? Are you really with Debbie? Are you with Bob? You can't do that. You can't do this. Now, be clear. This is a nuanced argument. Because mate guarding is smart. So, there's a fine line between being controlling and mate guarding. Because... The thing about telling a woman, you can't do this, you can't do that, she's going to say, don't you trust me? And you can say, I maybe trust you, but I don't trust female nature. Right girl, right girl, right guy, right drink, right time, all women are seducible. Women are malleable, fungible creatures. I mean, look at Eve. You think the serpent would have been able to convince Adam to eat the apple first? Probably not. That's why he went for Eve first. Eve in vanity. You know, women and vanity. And then, of course, Adam, such a sin was like, oh, I guess even since you had it, I guess I have to eat it. Didn't maintain frame there. And now look we're at now. Because of that, sin was introduced, and now we all get old and die. Well, at least snakes aren't crawling around. That would have been creepy to watch snakes crawl around. I guess they'd be like lizards. So controlling would be and I don't mean like an OCD person who has to control their environment to function. You kind of, you know, some people like ritual and habits. They like their day to kind of be ritualized. They do this and this at this time, and this and this at this time. That that can bring uh, normalcy and, and relaxation to them. And then when they're off routine, it, it they get kind of stressed out. Now that tends to be some OCD issues in there. But as a whole, if it works for those people and it works for the spouse, that's fine. Controlling is going to be more of the man doing it to the woman because honestly I mean you do find women who are controlling that they'll say you can't take the kids here you can't take the kids there um, I can give you some stories about women who take money all the money out of the the, the savings account when the, when she leaves the man kind of as an F you to him so she'll have money but actually he'll have no money and that's a control mechanism you see the opposite when the man leaves the woman and she takes the money first that way he has no way to leave that's a control tactic um, there's a lot of control. Just understand, uh, you've got to be vigilant of controlling. And I would tell women who are listening, women, if you are with a man who says, look, I like it when you wear this, I like it when you have your hair this way, I like it when you act like this, understand those are suggestions. They're not edicts. Like, I'm going to divorce you unless you cut your hair to the shoulder. No, I mean, they're suggestions. And, and I think most men would be somewhat... Amenable to suggestions that the woman wants. Like, hey, you know what, Bob, you look really good in forest green colors. You should wear that more often. I don't think most guys would be like, Woman, you're controlling me. <laughs> but that's certainly something you can see kinda early on when they're a little controlling. But sorry, that's kind of a vague one number twenty four is pretty quick and easy the person's been incarcerated clearly come on you can do better than 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 marrying somebody who's been in jail and uh, unless it's some false allegation which you know that goes full circle here on this channel uh, as a whole if the person's been in jail no offense to people who've been in jail but look i mean on, on one level they, they probably got an STD they probably got hepatitis or H- hiv because of all the uh, sodomy that goes on there on that you're dealing with a lot of PTSD and trauma from being in jail and then also, I mean, most people, despite what the liberal media wants you to think, most people in jail actually did something to deserve to be in jail. And you just need to avoid that. I don't think this is that much what we need to articulate on number twenty-five. The person is into polyamory or deviant behavior. This can be a red flag. Now, look, if you are married for like six months and she's like, you know what, Bob, let's open up the marriage. Bob, lots of times, because he's thinking he can get more women. But in fact, more often than not, when a marriage is opened up, it's the woman who's going to get a lot more action than the man. Actually, you know, we'll save this for a future episode. Deviant behavior, now look. I'm not talking about a little slappy slappy in the face. The, and now remember, these are all going to be what she asks for. You just don't your first sexual care beat the crap out of her. I, of course not. But my personal experience and experience that I've heard with other men, a lot of women like a little, you know, a little slap on the cheek when they're orgasming. Cover the ears, ear loops, old school maybe ear moves. They like a little slap when they're, they're orgasming, or some women do a little choking. Right? Um, Some people just have fetishes, just like, you know, daddy talk, dirty talk, role-playing, being tied up. A lot of these are not necessarily bad. These are women who, for whatever reason, know what gets them off. And don't you want to be with a partner who isn't frigid, who knows how to get off pretty fast, because it makes you feel like a more competent lover like Pepe Le Pew? So that's good. But when I mean like really deviant, I would say like if she is inviting you to watch porn early on, that's a red flag. If she is into s and I would say that, that the, a lot of the deviant sexual stuff is signs of early sexual trauma. Right? Early sexual trauma. Something threw off her psychosexual development where... She feels it's it's good or liberating or feels good to be choked when having sex. I used to watch this show, The Affair. I used to be on Showtime. And in the last season, uh, one of the major characters liked to be choked. And you find out, of course, she had a dysfunctional past. So i would say it's a red flag it's not like a glaring red flag you might find a great woman who just um you know had a couple relationships figured out what she likes and doesn't like maybe she was a boyfriend or her husband for 10 years and they just played a lot you know you should have a fun sex life and they try different things and she realized hey you know i like a little choke or i like to be tied up you know submission positions and all these things that's cool but as a whole polyamory that's a red flag and we'll talk about that maybe next episode Number 26, the person has a porn problem. Uh, this is particularly for men. Women. And I'm not going to defend this action, man. I hate to tell you, porn is a humongous blight on the male community. It's a humongous blight on marriages. It destroys marriages. If you go back to the early episodes, maybe it's around episode 120, I did this uh, episode on a study that came out of England that said 50% of British men in their 30s have secondary impotence. Why? Because they're watching so much porn. So when they watch when you watch porn at the beginning it's like normal oh, softcore and movie porn and then you need that dopamine hit to increase and increase. So what do you do? You start having to watch more deviant stuff to keep getting the same high. Mm-hmm. Tea break. Ooh, tea's too hot. And so lots of times porn addicts go one of two ways. They can like stick to like somewhat not too deviant porn, but they're watching it for four or five hours through the night. Or you get to guys who are watching like zoophilia, animal sex, old lady sex, weird deviant stuff, unfortunately uh, child-simulated sex, You know, adult adult actors pretending to be children. I mean, it can go deviant. And this is not good for your marriage. This is not good for your soul. It's not good for your chastity. This is an act of the devil. I hate to tell you, and I know a lot of you boys, a lot of you men have been watching porn since you were like 12. And so this is normal to you, and then you surround yourself in this echo chamber of men telling you that it's cool and it's normal. But it's not. It's very problematic, especially if you're married. Even if you're not married, I would tell you, you know, if you if you need to uh, choke the salami once or twice a day just to stay off the plantation, I get it. Then watch it for like five ten minutes, okay? But you don't need. To. There's no reason a man should be watching porn by himself for four hours a day. I hate to tell you. I hate to tell you, it's an addiction. Men who are honest, who are trying to get out of porn addiction, will tell you it is an addiction that will tell you. That it's harmful and they wanted to get out of it and they wish they were never exposed to it. But it's so normalized now in America. You can watch Judd Apatow movies that the guys are watching. It's so normalized that when you say it's wrong and deviant, you are attacked. right? You are attacked. But there's a problem. So women, if you start dating a man, and you notice like within the third, fourth date or maybe the first, second, third month, he's like, hey, after we go out to, to the uh, monster truck rally, you to watch some porn with me. That's a huge red flag because it's way too early on uh, to be introducing porn. Now that being said, look if you've been married five, ten years, and you want to put on some soft stuff to get into the mood, like movie movie porn, like like Outlander kind of porn, you know, you know, just just kind of movie graceful sex. Okay, that that's one thing. If you guys do it sparingly, but you should never be doing it alone. And women have been watching a lot of porn. And I mentioned before how I can tell when a woman is married to a porn addict. Because if I see a woman who has fake boobs, platinum blonde hair, hair extensions, typically more often than not, she's either been asked by the husband to do that or she feels she has to do it to keep up with the women in the porn. Because most women in porn look that way. And the problem is, is... Wives can't keep up with the porn because the porn is so deviant crazy. They that I can't keep up with them. This is one of the reasons men have secondary impotence is because no matter what their wife does and she's not gonna look as good now. I've granted a lot of porn actresses that their double, you know, Z boobs are just way too big, but as a whole, they're in shape, right? So they're never gonna look the wife is never really ever gonna look as good or as enticing as the porn star. And so when the man is around his actual woman or his actual wife, he's let down. Literally, he's impotent because he can't get it up because it's not as exciting and not as dangerous as the porn. So, guys, it, it is a red flag. Number 27, the person's been hospitalized for rehab, for addiction, or psychological problems. I think this is important. So if you meet somebody who was hospitalized for cocaine, uh, meth, um, alcohol, uh, suicide, uh, whatever, schizophrenia, OCD, whatever it is, it is a red flag. I wouldn't necessarily say it's a non-negotiable red flag, but it is a red flag because, again, like with the addiction, how do you know they're not going to lapse back into whatever got them in there? And I think a lot of people who are honest about their mental health issues would not be mad at the fact that somebody wanted to break off, break it off with them because they were in rehab. Look, kudos to you for going to rehab. And I say no, no, no. Good old Amy Winehouse. She should have gone to rehab more. Back to Black, man. That's a great song. I love Back to Black later. So kudos to you for either being forcefully hospitalized or going in your own uh, will, in your own volition. Kudos for you to, to try to get help, but again, at the same time. If you're schizophrenic, you should be able to stand back and understand why maybe people wouldn't want to marry a schizophrenic. So, be intellectually honest with yourself and understand that it is a red flag. And look, should you tell a person that you're dating that you have been hospitalized? You know, it's the same thing about, let's say you're dating somebody and you were married previously and you had an affair with your first wife. One time in discretion. Should you tell the new woman that you're dating or the woman you're going to marry that you had an, an affair? On one level, it's none of her business. It didn't affect her. It was before her. Just like, like how many sexual partners uh, a man has had before he marries his woman, she should know because it's none of her business. Her only business is to need to know if you have an active sexual transmitted disease because that does affect her. But how many partners you've had is none of her business. And so you could could go with the angle of, look, this didn't happen to you. This is something that happened with me and my ex-wife, and it's none of your business. So if she asks, it's honestly none of your business. Now, she'll see that answer as a positive, that you did have an affair. So is it better to lie to her? Uh, lying to people probably isn't the best i'm not a big fan of lying to people but i don't know it's one of those do i look fat in this dress kind of lies maybe in the long run it is better to lie you can be honest and just own it and be like look i had an affair more often than not when men have affairs is because the woman's no longer providing sex and men show love through sex it's something that women don't understand and so you could be like, look, it was a moment of weakness. We weren't having sex. I'll never do it. I've realized how dysfunctional and destructive it is, especially if it led to the the, the divorce. But that's that's one of those things. So going back to hospitalization, uh, it's really up to you. I can't really tell you what to do there. All right, let's go to the last four, the societal red flags. These have to do with family or just society in general. Number 28, the person has an estranged or no relations with his or her family. And this is a red flag because... If you meet a woman and she's like, yeah, I don't talk to my mom and dad. I don't talk to my, my sisters. You know, They're, they're horrible people. Mm. Could be a red flag. Because look, more often than not, moms and dads, and I'm a parent, we want to be in our kids' lives, even if we feel like they've gone down the wrong road, the prodigal son road. They still are children. we want to love them. So if you meet a woman who's completely estranged, I don't talk to my mom and dad. And that's on purpose. That is a red flag. And honestly, if you were considering marrying her, I would find a way to reach out to the parents and be like, hey, I'm thinking of marrying your daughter. Um, I understand you guys aren't talking. Can you explain to me why? This is like going and talk to the the ex-boyfriend. I I mentioned this in the first episode. You should always go talk to the first husband to get his side of the story so you can get truth. Because if you don't, you're just getting white-knighted. You're only hearing her narrative. So it's the same thing here. I would go talk to the sibling or talk to the family. And connected to this, number 29, is the person who has very little to no friends. So if you meet somebody who has pretty much no friends and is estranged from the family, these are double red flags. Because you could say maybe, oh, you know, I don't talk to my dad because he's a raging alcoholic or he abused me. You know, that's a red flag. I probably wouldn't hear that person if you heard that. But, you know, they abuse me, they're raging alcohol. You can kind of understand if that's balanced out with, but I talk to my brothers and my sisters, and I have lots of friends and my cousins. Okay, that's an outlier. It's an outlier. But if she has no relations or very little relations with her family and she has no friends, sweetheart, that's not an outlier. Right? That's the norm. Then you have to ask the question, why don't they have friends? Women are wired, right? They're the, the gatherers. We're the hunters. It's more common for men not to have a lot of friends. But for women not to have friends, that's the way they're wired. They need to have that network of support. So if you meet a woman who doesn't have a lot of female friends, it's a red flag. Number 30, the person has diametrically opposed values and ethics. This is extremely important. I don't think we need to spend too much time with this. At the beginning, a lot of people, especially if they get married when they're young, all they think about is, God, The sex is good. You know, I don't care if she's a radical leftist antifa. You know, I'm, a, I'm a you know I'm a libertarian. He like, sex is good, sex is good. Now. remember, the package, no man, not your package. The package, the artifice, the skin, the face, the looks, that is what brings you in. but it's got to be the values and the heart and the integrity and ethics that keep you in because the looks are gonna fade it will always fade. And when you're marrying, assumingly, you're going to be married for 20, 30, 40 years, and by then, trust me, the the looks, the looks will be gone. You'll be aging pretty well. She won't. So you cannot marry a woman because she's hot, right? We know about the hotness, the hot mix matrix. We know that. The more beautiful she is, the more nightmare she's going to be as a wife. Maybe she does that as a future episode. But in general... You've got to have similar values because ultimately you're going to end up disrespecting yourselves. Typically, the man's going to be at least a fiscal conservative, and typically since women are dictated by emotion, they're going to be more liberal. If you look at the Democratic Party, there's a lot of women in it because they they, they they vote based on their own need for security and provision, and therefore they vote for a lot of welfare programs. They, they see the, the borders open, and they, they see that one picture in the New York Times of the the dead child immigrant, and they're like, no, we need to keep all the borders open so kids don't die. And then the men will be like, no, we can't, America can't support every human being on the planet that wants to come to the United See, that's the logic and reason, but the woman's using emotion. So look, if you're a liberal, find a liberal. If you're a conservative, find a conservative. If you're pro life, don't marry a pro choice person. If you are a super traditional Catholic, don't marry an atheist. I mean, these are obvious to anyone who's my age. But when you're 20, young, dumb, and fully you know what, you're not thinking straight. So I cannot tell you. You are looking for a world of pain, yelling, argument, dysfunction. If 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 not that, then bitter passive aggressiveness. You won't be able to discuss anything. Everything's gonna be like rocking on eggshells because you guys can't talk about any politics, you can't talk about religion, you can't talk about anything because you guys don't agree on everything. And then when you have the kids, then you know who's gonna be able to inculcate their philosophy into the kids? It's just too much work. Too much hassle. So If you're whatever, marry that person. The same ideology. It's really important. Last one. one, The person's an atheist or left their childhood faith. This is the big one. If a person leaves their childhood faith, it sounds kind of like the first husband. If they have no problem establishing the precedent of divorcing a man and taking his kids, why don't you think that she would do it to you? And if the woman has no problems turning her back on God, the Creator, the Creator that gave her life and everything, what makes you think she's not going to turn her back on you? And what do vows mean when you're an atheist? Why are you even going to your barn or lake or wherever you're going to have your civil wedding and do vows? See, you the old days, vows are like, I don't do this, so help me God. God's going to strike me down. You know, the awesome God. The fearful God. Now, if you're an atheist, why, why are you doing vows? I promise I will love, I will cherish and withhold sex. But if you don't, there's nothing that's holding you accountable. See, in the old days, it was the fear of sin, the fear of hell, the fear of damnation, the fear of ostracization from your family and friends. None of that's there anymore. So, with atheist, again, if you're an atheist, all right, maybe one thing. If you are a religious man, I would even tell, I would even tell atheist men, that most atheist men would want to marry a religious woman because they know they have a better chance of having a successful marriage. Marrying an atheist woman or falling away lapsed woman, humongous mistake. Because chances are most men are at least fiscally conservative and some, maybe half, maybe half, are social conservatives. And I would tell you, if you're fiscally conservative but not socially conservative, you're selfish. Because all you're really thinking about is my money. I don't like to be taxed too much. But yeah, transgender, homosexuality, teaching kids, all these things, that's fine. You're not thinking You're not thinking long-term, my friends. Society falls apart because of the social conservative teachings falling apart. But... If she's an atheist, she doesn't represent anything. Most of the time, atheists have left God and they fill that hole to be religious and spiritual with another ism. Liberalism, feminism, social justiceism, veganism, they fill it with another hole. And I will tell you that, and we've talked about this in the religious episodes, Atheists tend to have a very selfish, nihilistic life. Because if you don't believe in afterlife, you don't believe in judgment. And I'm not saying you should believe in God out of fear. You should believe in God because He he loves you and He died for you. But if you don't believe in God and there's this fear of judgment, then why don't you just do whatever feels good? Ultimately, you become a hedonist. Why not steal? Why not have mutually consenting affairs? Why not do these things? If it makes me feel good, it's great. Look, during COVID lockdown, right, it was the atheists and the irreligious that were panicking and freaking out the most. The religious people were like, yeah, open up the churches, we want to go back. The churches would be packed. My church is packed. My church was filled with the pews six months ago, and nobody's wearing masks. Because they're like, look, we need to receive the Eucharist. This is grace that we get. You don't close our churches. We didn't close the churches during the bubonic plague and the Spanish flu. Uh, do you close the churches? Because we know why. Go to that episode on the Great Collusion. But they're like, yeah, if I die, all right, great. I'll go to heaven. But the atheists is like, oh, uh, I can't get this. The cooties, the cooties, COVID, I can't get it. Either way, it's a red flag. All right, so those are the 31. Now, what does all of this mean? You have to do an inventory of these 31 and see what they have based on what they tell you and based on your discernment because a lot of the times you're going to hide if they have these things. So some of these red flags are humongous. Some of them, you know, you can maybe fly by. Like the one on consumer debt. If she has $1,000 consumer debt, okay, you tell her, but you're, you're paying it off. I'm not paying it off, but okay. You know, some of these you can maybe look, turn a blind eye. Maybe. You know, like, oh, yeah, I take antidepressants. I have depression here and there. Uh, maybe you can overlook that. Maybe she's a only child and her parents are dead. Okay. Maybe you can overlook that. Maybe. Um, maybe, you know, she has one tattoo on her ankle. Okay. But some of these are biggies. Some of these are biggies. Woman's overweight. Tons of debt. Divorce raped her ex-husband diametrically opposed values, has been diagnosed with cluster Bs. To me, these are non-negotiables. Non-negotiables. If you hear any of those, or at least two out of those four, I'm out. Because again, you've got to remember, this is your life, and for you men in particular, because men are more concerned about This is your money. This is your money. You need to save your money for you when you're old, because if you get married, she can take half of any time, and then you're going to have the great divorce. You gotta think long term. This is my life, my happiness, and I'm not gonna settle. There's things you can settle for, like you women, if the guy's not in the best shape. Alright. Or, you know, men, if she doesn't have that, that she's not in the best shape. Okay, you know, these are, these, maybe you can overlook that. Maybe you can overlook um, minor things. But on the big red flags, I would tell you it's. Uh, a recipe, not a recipe for love like Harry Connick's old song, it's a recipe for dysfunctional relationship and a res- recipe for disaster. So I would tell you that certainly out of these 31, you've got to count them up. I think if she's got at least 10 of all of these, it's a non-negotiable, I would I would, I would say, no, I'm sorry, I can't marry you. I wish you best. say I wish you best. Honestly, I, wish you best. I, I can't marry you. If she's got more than 10, yeah, I'm out. If she's got five or six, then really you got to look at the whole package of her, what she brings, and other aspects. But this episode and these three episodes are just kind of a guideline to help you, for those of you who really want to marry. And you can always come back to this episode, uh, these three to kind of remember what they are. And um, certainly there's other red flags that we could throw in there. But, uh, you know, she's messy, right? If her car is really messy, that's a red flag. Her life's a mess, a mess up. But these are just some suggestions, and I really want you to think them through before you decide to sign the Faustian Impact that is the marriage contract. Guys, if you appreciate this content in any way, shape, or form, please post an honest review. It takes you two seconds. You don't have to write anything. If you do write something, I will read it in the next episode. we got to get this message out to other men. We have the most episoded... I've got to come in with a better chronicled the most... The most episoded, most reviewed meat tile channel out there. We like to keep it that way. We like to keep the message. You have to save a man, save a man, stop his weighing. So please post a most nice review and subscribe. It helps. That's what helps the most. Also, there's two links in the episode notes. One's for PayPal if you want to donate 5 or $10 It helps support uh, defraying the cost of hosting this channel. I appreciate it. Also, there's a link for Naturopathic Earth, uh, the main website. You click on that takes you over to my site and you see my two books on the right side and then also you'll see a bunch of tabs on the top so you can go through and read all the articles and see all the old podcasts. Every podcast is chronicled there even the first hundred that you can't get on the Apple feed. If you click on Amazon uh, if you click on my books it takes you to Amazon to buy the books it yeah, will be great if you would do that but also anyone you buy on Amazon within 24 hours by going through my link I get a 2% commission at no expense to you. Also if you need help from the Red perspective one-on-one talking Contact me through clarity.fm. And lastly, yes, as I mentioned, please subscribe and post an honest review for The Awakened Man for the Female Holistic Health Apothecary. We just did an episode last week on woman with OCD and in the interview, And of her confessions of the movie's Until next time, take care. God bless. Thank you for listening to The Awakened Man Podcast. Find us on Facebook at the Awakened Man podcast page. Subscribe and post an honest review on Apple Podcasts and consider donating to our crowdfunding account. And remember, freedom is better than needle. Until next time. Tributed to Nine Inch Nails.